Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Dot edu slash podcast. What do you love about music? To begin with, everything. a great show is the most important thing you can do. One great rock show can change the world. Welcome to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis, pop music critic at the Chicago Sun-Times. And I'm Greg Cott. I write about rock and roll for the Chicago Tribune tonight on the world's only rock and roll talk show. We are going to renew a long-standing tradition at Sound Opinions, which is to uh, get out the, uh, the shovel and dig out those buried treasures. <laughs> Records that may have slipped under the radar screen of the mainstream but did not miss our attention here at Sound Opinions. Records that you need to know about, even though they weren't widely heralded uh, when they first came out. Absolutely one of our favorite kinds of shows here. Do it a couple times a year. Some people, Greg, would say we have the shovel out and we're shoveling it every week. <laughs> uh, right now, though, we are we are down actually in Texas, Austin, Texas, covering the South by Southwest Music Festival. We're going to have a big report on that in a couple of weeks. But these are, are bands that uh, you, you're going to hear more about at some point. They're bubbling under. They're underground right now. Hence the ter- term buried treasures. We're digging them up. We love this kind of show. Uh, we have a live performance as part of it, the Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, which uh, both of us think released one of the strongest albums last year, came in and we chatted with them and they performed in the studio, but we're also going to be playing a lot of cool records. Uh, Whenever we do this kind of show, back and forth, my record, your record, we start it traditionally with our longtime producer, the much-beloved Matt Spiegel, flipping the Sound Opinions coin. Matt, who is on the Sound Opinions coin? Uh, You're on one side, Jim. (laughs) No, I thought it was Lester Bangs on one side and Peter Goralnik on the other. Okay, yeah. Ready? Yeah, flip the coin, Matt. Call it in the air, Jim. I'll call Lester Bangs. It is Lester Bangs. Oh, I won. I won. He rigs it. Usually, he does. Usually you win, and it's rigged. You know, it's one of many. He's the puppeteer. He's always pulling the strings on the show. Matt Spiegel, ladies and gentlemen. He is, he is one of our heroes. Greg, these guys are heroes of mine. It's a Chicago band called The Dials. A tremendous story here. Uh, they put out a great album a couple of months ago called Flex Time. And the story behind this album is, is heartbreaking. This is a garage rock combo, three girls and a guy. The drummer, Doug Mice, was one of the three Chicago musicians who were killed in this tragic accident 
a couple of months ago. A woman was driving and tried to commit suicide and just was trying to smash into other cars. And these three Chicago musicians, a member of the Returnables, a member of Silkworm, and Doug Mice, the drummer for the Dials and a band called Exo, were killed instantly. And the woman who was trying to kill herself lived. (laughs) She's being prosecuted. It's winding its way through the courts. Um, You know, Greg, music remains one of the most powerful forces for catharsis. And the album had been completed or was close to being completed. The Dials said, how will we pay homage to our lost friend. And not only that, but the one of the girls in the band lost her husband, who was one of the other people killed in the crash. Uh, we've suffered this devastating loss, death all around us. How do you recover from something like this? We're going to put out the music. You know, the best tribute we can give to this guy is to put out our album and to tour behind it. And through this music, we will find catharsis. And I think it was a great album to begin with. It's a great album, even if you don't know that story. It's made, obviously, all the more poignant because of it. We are probably in the third or fourth Garage Revival. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, from the original Garage Rock of the 60s, the immortalized on Nuggets, the Lenny K compilation, to the 80s revival, and then the revival now that encompasses Uh, bands like the White Stripes, I think the dials are killer. And you, as a keyboardist, my friend, it shocked me and appalled me somewhat (laughs) that you were not all over this record because it is lousy with Farfisa organ. Nothing says garage rock like that wonderful droning Farfisa. The dials have dual female vocals. They have great guitar. They have killer rhythms and lots of Farfisa. And I just love this album, Flex Time. I'm going to play a song here called TikTok. It just slays me on Sound Opinions. Absolutely killer stuff. The dials, the album's called Flex Time, the song was called TikTok. I love that. Good stuff. Farfisas, Jim, you got me there, man. That's great stuff. And uh, let's stick with the keyboard instruments vibe. I like that. I like that. Let's get a little Hammond organ in the mix here. And I'm going to go to the epicenter of soul music as we know it in in Western society, Amsterdam, Holland. (laughs) (laughs) The last place on earth you think you'd go to to find soul music, right? Amsterdam, Holland, in, in the year 2001, a band called Lefty's Soul Connection formed, a quartet 
guitar, Hammond organ, drums, and bass, modeling themselves very much against the uh, seminal soul combos of the 60s, the Meters, Booker T and the MGs, the Barquets. The whole idea here to get that gritty, dirty, funk sound of the South that you hear very seldom nowadays in, in music, except on hip-hop records, mm. uh, which in a lot of ways sample these kind of records. They're still using them as core raw material for some of the classic pop songs of today. We've, in fact, played one of these songs as music into and out of segments on Sound Opinions over the last few weeks, and actually gotten quite a few emails about it. A song called Organ Donor by one DJ Shadow, a classic from his 1997 introducing album. And what DJ Shadow did for this track called Organ Donor was uh, sample some music from an earlier era, a song called Tears by the Children of the Mission, produced by Giorgio Moroder, who is perhaps most famous for those Euro disco tracks. Well, I didn't from, even know he was, he was still working. Moroder isn't working, but Shadow found one of his records in a cutout bin at a record store, sampled a mm. snippet of it, and used it as the basis for his classic organ donor song of 1997. Now, these four Dutch dudes <laughs> from mm. Amsterdam... Uh, are huge fans of this record. They've been playing their own version in their concerts. So in other words, here's a hip-hop track that was sampling an original funk track now being played by a funk band. So it's come full circle. Uh, In Holland. In Holland. (laughs) So we've gone from German producer to California hip-hop DJ to Dutch soul funk quartet playing this song. It's called Organ Donor, and it's one of only uh, three records that this uh, Dutch band, Lefty Soul Connection, has put out. Two singles and an EP, and Organ Donor is the latest and I think by far the best on Sound Opinions.
don't think the Dutch get any funk here. Uh, that is Lefty's <laughs> Soul Connection, a quartet from Amsterdam with a, a pretty rare single. It very much fits the criterion of buried treasures, Jim. Is, isn't, isn't ganja legal in Amsterdam? Oh, my God. Well, it all makes sense Some, to me now. The best in the world. All right, fine. So uh, to find this particular track, you can go to the Lefty's Soul Connection website, leftysoulconnection.com. Check out the footnotes at soundopinions.com for more information about where to find some of these obscure records. Because uh, some of these are buried treasures. We're digging deep and playing some obscure music you might not have heard, but you really need to. This is a little less obscure, Greg, but it's a record we didn't get around to reviewing, and I feel strongly about, and I really want to play it. Dilated Peoples is a Los Angeles trio. 2020 is their third album. It's great stuff. Um, this is a band that came out of the gate hard with an album called The Platform in 2001. Raka, Evidence, and DJ Babu. Politically conscious rappers. And that can be the kiss of death. I think with the follow-up, Neighborhood Watch, they had a real commercial disappointment. They'd been on the cusp of mainstream stardom, and despite Kanye West producing the single this way, the album really didn't perform. I think they've reconnected with what they do best on this record, 2020, going back to that kind of old-school commitment to uh, raising social consciousness and doing these slashing battle raps. Great stuff, hard-hitting beats, and Babu is just a great, what the uh, pretentious critics call a turntablist. <laughs> great scratching. He's an incredible DJ. You know, like a lot of rap acts, they're a little bit prone to uh, a few too many between-song skits and a little bit too much talk about how much fun it is to smoke marijuana. Okay, that's all well and good, but we've heard that before. Where they're at their best is when they're standing up and saying things that aren't really popular in the gangster rap world, like a track, Kindness for Weakness. Talib Kweli comes on, and they're talking about how you don't need a gun to prove you're a man. They've got some, some cool soul grooves on this album, but the song I'm going to play is called Alarm Clock Music, and to me, this evokes nothing more than public enemy jamming with the roots. That really <laughs> kind of soulful uh, hip-hop sound, but with the just hard-edged political message. I love this music. This is Dilated Peoples on Sound Opinions. I'm here, lay right there, you catch the day to day nightmare. They know it's caffeine, they try but can't sleep. They hate it, but they rockin' to it while they count sheep. Cause this here's alarm clock music. Bang along beats like a bomb drop to it. Pressing the button, they trying to snooze, but they never been a man born with time to lose. Yeah. So many freestyles I did when I was touring. But since I wrote them down, they view them as important. I do what I want, the way I see fit. And they think I'm from the bay, the way the flow be legit. Evidence got another sound mission. Listen, biz and pleasure, what's the difference? As long as this shit's hitting and weed's getting lit, dilated, we play some pole position. Cause this here's alarm clock music. Bang along beats like a bomb drop to it. Cause this here's alarm clock music. Bang along beats like a bomb drop to it. Alarm clock music. Man, alarm clock music, dilated peoples. 2020 is the album. Have you heard that? 
I have. It's very good. They're one of those groups that doesn't get the respect it deserves, I think, because they're viewed as old school. They're traditionalists. So it's but, great but to hear that. They deliver the goods. you got another buried treasure for us. Absolutely. Huh? We're doing buried treasures, Jim, and it's fun to look at some records here that uh, have sort of slipped underneath the radar. The band I'm going to play next, I think, is actually going to come to some wider recognition at some point. They're still relatively unknown in the U.S. They've caused a bit of a wave in the U.K., where they're from, however. Primarily because they're literally the children of that first Britpop generation. The bands that swept England in the early to mid-90s, the Oases and the, uh, the Blurs, the Pulps of the world, that took Britain by storm in the 90s, sort of reclaimed the basics of rock and roll, the meat and potatoes, guitar-based drum sound. And Oasis was the biggest band of that generation of, of, of British bands. And, and though Blur was the best. It, Blur was the best. I, I won't argue with you there. But Oasis had that sort of generational anthem thing going on in a big way. And that music really spoke to the kids in the subways. When Billy Lunn was 12 years old, he heard uh, Supersonic by Oasis, and that's when he wanted to pick up a guitar and said, you know, I'm going to be in a band mm. now. Uh, I'm going to speak for, my, for myself through rock and roll. And the Subways formed with that ethos in mind. Basically set up shop in Billy Lund's parents' kitchen in a remote blue-collar suburb of London and started recording music with his girlfriend, Charlotte, and his uh, drum-playing brother, Josh. Basically started recording these songs in the kitchen uploading them on the internet and built a following ended up with a Warner Brothers Much like the Arctic Monkeys who we talked about a couple of weeks ago exactly what I love about this band is that they don't take themselves too seriously they've simplified the music in a way that is very clear and very concise and yet speaks very eloquently about what it feels like to be sort of a, a teenager growing up in a blue-collar London burb and not really knowing your place in the world, saying, you know, I'm walking down the street and these people are looking at me and they're judging me. They think they know who I am, but they don't really know who I am. And, you know, basic teen angst really eloquently expressed with guitar, bass, and drums. To me, that's the essence of rock and roll. These kids are going to make more evolved records, I'm sure, down the line, but I think they've made a really fine debut record, and I think you're going to be hearing more about them in the future. The name of the record is called Young for Eternity, and that kind of sums it up. You know, hope I die before I get old. It's the who's my generation for this generation. And the song I'm going to play is called City Pavement. When I walk on the city pavement It's like a trigger going off in my
City Pavement from the Subways. You band out of England. We're doing the Buried Treasures thing. You hear a lot of jam in there. Oh, yeah. jam in that thing. Yeah, Buried Treasures. Digging deep, playing stuff you haven't heard, but you should. In that regard, we've got Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. Came in a couple weeks ago. Did a live performance. We talked with them. One of the best records of last year. Howl, an unexpected turn in their career. And we're going to hear more about it on Chicago Public Radio. Sound Opinions is sponsored by Factor. Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success. Skip the grocery store, prep work, and cooking fatigue. Instead, get chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. With over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more, plus over 55 weekly add-ons, you'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options. Factor now offers additional options like breakfast, smoothies, juices, snacks, and more to keep you going no matter what's on the schedule. When things get hectic, Factor is flexible. Change your order up every week or pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. So if you want to try Factor and make your life easier, here's what you need to do. Head to factormeals.com slash soundops50 and use code soundops50 to get 50% off. That's code soundops50 at factormeals.com slash soundops50 to get 50% off. Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island. Since 1988, Goose Island has been brewing award-winning beers in Chicago that are inspired by this city. Take 312 Lemonade Shandy, Tropical Beer Hug Double IPA, and a rotating series of hazy IPAs only available in Chicago. Uh, you know, every time we go down to Goose Island, there's another one that they're pushing on us. That's right. You and know, they're all good. Absolutely. And uh, what supporters of, of musical culture, you know, in, in the city of Chicago and elsewhere, uh, if you go to a show in Chicago and you see that Goose Island uh, sign, you know, you know when you're in good hands. Uh, they're music fans as well as great uh, beer makers at Goose Island, so we're really proud to be associated with them. The Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's Beer. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cotta of the Chicago Tribune, and my partner is Jim DeRogatis of the Chicago Sun-Times. We're here with Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, two of the members, Robert Levon Bean and... Peter Hayes, welcome, gentlemen. Yeah, thanks for coming in at this ungodly, unrock and roll hour. <laughs> wow, 
Very impressive. And they were early. They beat me here. They did. They did. And they were uh, <laughs> looking at their clocks, watches, and saying, you know, where the hell is that yeah, rock you got, you got to realize, Cot's always, like, you know, 20 <laughs> minutes late. I'm, I'm never late. <laughs> You're never late, except never today. Late. Sorry about that. that that's all. <laughs> Let's talk about, about how. Your third album, I, uh, I had it on my list of one of the best records of 2005. Really impressive. And I don't know if you're sick of telling this story yet or not, but it was made from uh, the depths of despair at a, at a point where basically the band almost didn't exist when you decided instead to forge ahead and start this one. Wow, depths of despair, yeah. Um, that's one word. I guess it wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't that clear to us to kind of see it at the time. We were just trying to keep the music going. We started recording actually a little bit, and then we did a tour of uh, Europe, and during that we got to Edinburgh. I think we were just we were just kind of burnt out, and we'd been burning the candle at both ends, and all three of us were taking each other for granted. So we kind of had the stereotypical bust up on stage, and then yeah, we split. Like Nick kind of went and did his own. Our drummer Nick went and trying to figure out his own head and clean himself out, and we'd uh, we kind of did the same thing and. Didn't really know if we were going to keep the music going. It was kind of the decision. We didn't want it to be just kind of um, a half-hearted project. It took us a little while to come around to making Howl, and me and Peter ended up going into the studio and finishing what we'd started. We played the drums and all the instruments and that kind of stuff, and then I guess the dark despair was over by the time the record was <laughs> over. It was, it was really good, you know, healing kind of process, like making the album. It had a lot of joy in it and we were kind of remembering when we first started recording and it was just kind of about having fun doing it whether it gets hurt or not you know what I mean so mm -hmm. that was good to remember that that's cool uh music as therapy um and it's interesting because a lot of bands get discouraged at that point and they just sort of drift away they break up you had a major label deal and a kind of a semi-hit with whatever happened to my rock and roll I mean it was a, got a lot of radio airplay and the second record comes out at that point, had you did you already know that, that the relationship with your first label, Virgin, was sort of breaking down and that you guys weren't going to be back on the label making a third record? And at that point, are you thinking, well, do we have a future in this? Do we want to continue as a band? I mean, were any of those things filtering into where you were at at that point? Yeah. The label threatened to drop us during the first record. During the first record? Yeah. They didn't like the way we were doing it as far as recording and mixing for people that might not remember, this was the big song from that first self-titled record, Whatever Happened to My Rock and Roll. So, Peter, even if your label, Virgin Records, didn't like the way you were recording and mixing, the hit vindicated that, right? Mm, yeah. <laughs> well, the, I think the, you would think. But what it, what it was more held up as, like, well, if you would have done it our way, it would have been a more major hit. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, you know, it could have been better. And I think that was kind of right when the whole iTunes and the downloading thing was really getting kind of big and there was a bigger freakout going on. And so there's a lot of push towards doing commercials and 
there was a lot of commercials coming our way for that song, you mm. know. And we said no to a lot of that because we thought the song was was kind of selling out the song, if anything. And that <laughs> was kind of what the song was yeah, about. Yeah, you know. And so it was, it was kind of went against the grain a little bit. That was a way for a record company to help support a band is you know get them to do advertisements and we were saying no to that so it just built up a lot of animosity i guess is the word i don't know what the word is but we're talking with black rebel motorcycle club here in the jim and k maybe studio on sound opinions discussing their new record howl their first on the bmg rca red ink label you know it's interesting too we were jim and i were talking about this before the fact that you were a, a successful band in a lot of ways, and a, the record company signs you for who you are. Then they try to make you into something else, and then after two records, you can be dropped like you didn't even exist. Whereas in an earlier era, if you know, you think about a Joni Mitchell or Neil Young, a Bruce Springsteen, it was kind of a future investment. You kind of knew that these guys were going to get a few chances to make records, and it, it seems like now there's a lot of pressure on bands to. Yeah. You know, sell that song to an advertiser and sell that song to someplace else and have that multi-platinum uh, hit album right away. Well, the reason that's going on right now is, is it's it's kind of the strange reality that most A&R folks and whatnot, they kind of have to answer apparently like quarterly to, to what their profits are. And then so basically every six months or so or something like that, if they're not pulling their own weight, they kind of get the axe faster than, you know, I guess in the old days it was like the A&R guys would stick around long enough to kind of see a band develop and kind of grow with them and kind of, you know, they wanted something a bit bigger and more meaningful. These days it's kind of like they've got to have a hit off that first song, the first single, first record, or they're gone along with the band. So, mm -hmm. How does that impact your creative process, though? Did you guys feel any of that pressure making music? Mm, no, not particularly. No. We knew that making this record wasn't going to go over well, <laughs> you know, at version. And we asked him, we were just like, you know, why don't you let us go? It doesn't look like you're... Mm. It's no big deal, really, you know? Like, the cool thing is the music's out. We're still playing. Well, why don't we hear some music, uh, and then we'll chat a little more. What are you guys going to play? Tell us about it. Well, gee, we hadn't thought about it too much, but I'll give it a... a, a shuffle your feet. All right. It's one that's quick and easy for right now. Then we'll get a little more complicated. Or should we do complicated? What's that harmonic key in? Well, this one's in C. That's for complicated. <laughs> for complicated? Go for it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool. What's the four of G? C, right? Anybody? Beats me. I'm a drummer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Upon the lips of everyone, a curse I've never dreamed. Yeah, upon the lips of everyone, a curse I've never dreamed. It's a complicated situation. It's a complicated 
situation, mama. I'm a complicated situation. Our sacrifice, they say, with crippled grins. The eyes of youth must lose their way and stumble here within. So the sleeping children were awoke in time to haze their eyes. So it's never known on which they chose with books of olden time. So it's never known on which they chose with books of olden time. It's a complicated situation. It's a complicated situation, Mama. I'm a complicated situation. Cool. Peter Hayes of Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. We're sitting here with Peter and Robert Bean. I like the way you guys have just completely exploded all the attempts to sort of stereotype you guys. People seem to think they had you figured out after the first album. And now the third record, Howl, uh, you, you compare the third album to the first one. And you think, wow, there's two different bands here. But it's when, in fact, it's one and the same. Uh, the first record really dense, layered, almost a forbidding kind of electric assault, and now you've, you've made a very stripped-down acoustic record. Yeah, yeah. On that first record, everyone was saying, these guys are just redoing the Jesus and Mary chain. Did that bother you? We'd always, you know, anytime we'd be interviewed and it would be a question about, um, you know, what are your influences? It would be My Buddy Valentine and Mary Chain and Stone Roses and Bob Dylan and Sam Cooke, and, you know, we'd, we'd name them all, and then We'd read the interview, and they would cut the Dylan and the Sam Cooke out, and they would kind of make a <laughs> mm-hmm. point about, oh, they're a very British-sounding band, and da, da, da. and they would try and spin their article the way they needed. We'd always, you know, we were, we were trying to warn people what was, <laughs> what was coming best we could. It was just always kind of, you know, edited down. So this record was, wasn't edited down. This is the other side of the coin, I guess. And it was always coming. My heart was always with kind of old kind of staple singers and Sam Cooke and Otis Redding and a lot of kind of more things like that that I think is kind of the most, for me, like, if I could do that for real, I'd probably skip out on this rock and roll thing and do that, but I'm no, you know, soul singer. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I just think that music just comes from the heart and, and the gut, and so I feel it a bit more than anything. So gospel song and some things like that, just wanted, I just wanted to try, you know, it's kind yeah. of the way well, we look I, at it. When I reviewed the album, I, I compared it to an experiment like the Rolling Stones' Wild Horses. They were they were out of their genre element too, but you know by paying homage to to this music they love, they they came up with something completely fresh and new, and just one of their most heartfelt songs, which is how Hal struck me from the get go. Right on, thank you. I guess the only thing is like trying. We didn't want to do anything we couldn't pull off, even if your heart's in it, but maybe your chops aren't, you know? And, and there also seems to be an element of courage, you know, letting your guard down a little bit, letting people hear you guys kind of a little bit less in a more intimate setting, too. A uh, fuzz box covers a multitude of sins. <laughs> <laughs> you guys got some good fuzz boxes. <laughs> you know, did it take some personal courage to get to that place where you could sort of do that and be, be more exposed like that? 
Mm. We had to practice. That mm-hmm. was kind of, we had to actually learn the instruments for real. That was kind of the challenge, you know, because it wasn't gonna you weren't gonna stand up there and try to do something that you couldn't do. So that was what made it easier. You know what I mean? Like you actually had to like go through with it. Had to actually sit down and really write these words because there's nothing standing in front of them anymore. You know, the stories had to actually hold and carry you. That was a good challenge, you know. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And uh, you can get away with a lot with distortion. Yeah, you can make mistakes all over the place and never heard. You, know? <laughs> you can't really get away with it. And there's nothing wrong with distortion. We're we're both distortion lovers oh, here. Oh, big believe fans, me. big fans. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, but it's, uh, I can't play guitar, so yeah. I'm a bigger fan. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing okay there, Pete. I gotta say, you're doing yeah. all right on that acoustic. Um, it seemed like the acoustic record was always something in the back of your minds all the time, and it was just a case of when we approach this, when do we when do we make this record. How how did that work out that you got to this place sonically? We had a bunch of these songs from the first record, Shuffle Your Feet, Complicated Situation, Gospel Song was written and recorded for the first record. Thought there was a bit too much Jesus in that one, so we left that off. <laughs> um, and what else is there? Was a uh, still suspicion holds you tight. That was kind of that a weird, strange, random B side. That was really weird because we because you did it and you only sang the first verse and chorus and then played the rest of the song instrumentally, just acoustic, and then forgot about it. And then we were looking at like through old tapes. During right after we'd done the second album, and I found this little thing, I was like, "What the hell is this?" And he didn't even remember doing it, and we we're just like, "Wow, this sounds really good." So, the cool thing about that song is actually we took the first verse and chorus and guitar part, and we built everything around it from that. So, it always trips me out is as you're listening to it, he sings between between the last chorus and the second verse. About three years have passed. <laughs> but it sounds exactly the same. We matched the exact tones and everything. Mm-hmm. We found the you know the right compressor and distortion, and just and the EQ is just right. And but but years have gone by between those verses. You'll yeah. notice a difference if you listen back to it. If the other one's got a little different distortion on the first verse. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, we thought the songs were strong enough and stronger than B sides. We had these words floating around that we thought were more important than to just kind of throw out. On a B side, and we, as far as I know, you know, American audience don't get B sides. I, I just, I don't, I never did. Well, so there's hardly, hardly singles here anymore. Yeah, so so we figured we'd, we'd make it an album, and it just so happened that the time came. <laughs> we were thinking about it beforehand, and then it made itself very apparent that it should be done. Well, and you guys wound up playing a lot of instruments that you don't actually play, right? I mean, there's mandolin and trombone and. Yeah. Well, but we played that in high school. That was the thing about it. <laughs> we didn't know it. We were, we were in different grades. He was like a year above me, but we were both in, in band. We were both trombone players. We didn't know it until like just a couple years ago. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So this was in San Francisco? We both tried to keep it as quiet as we could. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't brag about that one very yeah. often. Yeah. What, uh, we should hear another song, right, Craig? Sure. We're uh, with Black Rebel Motorcycle Club on Sound Opinions on Chicago Public Radio. What do you guys got for us? Well, you got Shuffle. Yeah. Who knows 
Good. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Peter Hayes and Robert Bean of Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. Uh, true or false? I, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club was Brando's biker gang in Wild Ones, right? Yeah. There you yeah, go. Yeah. All right. All right. I what wanted to make the, sure I had that right. What was the other gang's name? Oh, man. I don't know. The Beatles. The Beat? Really? Mm. Wow. That's a good trivia question. That is a great yeah. one. Kind of takes guts, though, in San Francisco to come out with a name like that. I mean, that's like Hells Angels Central still, right? I don't know exactly. A little bit. We got trouble once we left San Francisco. Once we started traveling around the country, and you get you get motorcycle games coming out, and being you know a little bit put off and not really knowing what's going on, and then they would just see Black Barrel Motorcycle Club on on this marquee, and they'd come and they'd inform us that you you have to be sanctioned by the Hell's Angels to call yourself a motorcycle club. (laughs) But you know, it's a thing they take seriously. So we understood, but we'd also say, you know, we're not trying to be anything. We're not. We're just a a band coming through town and buy them a beer and yeah, turn up the fuzz box. Yeah, and hope they don't throw anything. Loud as possible. (laughs) No, no, fellas, just put those pool cues down. Let's all sit down and have a beer. (laughs) All right, they're good guys. And then they teach you a little something about the real story of that film, you know, Mm because it's a true story and it was the. Black Rebel and the Boost Beatles out. were the film like names, but yeah. the, the real ones was the Thirteen Rebels and the Booze Fighters. So. And Hunter Thompson yeah. in uh, in mm-hmm. Hell's Angels book uh, writes about that a lot. Yeah, and it's the first story that any motorcycle gang was ever anything but just nice could bring home to mom and dad, and then all of a sudden they had this horrible reputation. Mm-hmm. They're just old air, you know, like Air Force pilots that wanted to hang out together and still yeah. ride bikes, and that was all it was. And then they became the the bad people that, you know, you don't want to see coming and roll into town. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you guys for coming in. This has been a complete treat. Thank oh, you man. for having us. Thanks, thank guys. Very much. And all my sorrows awaken And 
Cool stuff from uh, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. That's a song called Feel It Now. And we've got more music from BRMC on soundopinions.com. Bonus music from today's musical guest. Plus, we're going to come back and play some more Buried Treasures, songs that are bubbling up from the underground, acts you ought to know about but might not have heard yet. On Sound Opinions on Chicago Public Radio. I'm on my own, I'm sure I'll know it now. And all the reasons invading twist and turn my aching soul. I leave myself behind in pieces. I know you'll need them when I'm gone I'm on my own I'm sure I'll know it now I'm on my own I'm sure I'll feel it now I'll never see Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island. Since 1988, Goose Island's been brewing beers in the spirit of Chicago. You can find IPAs, lemonade, shandy, and limited releases in-store or at one of Goose's venues in Chicago. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. We're back on Sound Opinions on Chicago Public Radio. We're talking buried treasures, records that have slipped under the mainstream radar but are definitely worth hearing, and it's Jim DeRogatis' turn for the next album. Greg, this band Animal Collective was hailed as one of the strongest uh, records last year. Their seventh album, I believe it is, Feels. Amazingly prolific this group has been. The Sound Opinions Message Board voted it as one of their favorites last year. they kind of been bubbling under for a couple of years. My man Jason Saldana, who turned me on to them, swears the 2004's Sung Tongs was actually their better record. But I fell in love with Feels, and, and it really won me over. This is a jam band, but this is not a hippie, patchouli, Grateful Dead, Baby Dead wannabe jam band. You know, there's other ways to jam. You know, Pink Floyd jammed. Can, the German art rockers jammed. The Stooges jammed. These guys are jamming in a kind of genre that's been called by some freak folk. It's like kind of a hootenanny folk jam on acid. But they've also got elements of orchestral pop, the sort of stuff that that groups like the Decemberists are doing so well, Arcade Fire. They write great songs, and they're very catchy and very melodic, and then live they blow them up and take them all over (laughs) the place. You know, it kind of floats off into the lilac mist on a wave of uh, tabla rhythms, you know. I'm a sucker for that stuff, you know. But I think that if the songs weren't there, it wouldn't matter to me as much. Um, I love this opening track on the album Feels, a 2005 release by Animal Collective. It's called Did You See the Words on Sound Opinions.
Did you see the words by Animal Collective, formed in Baltimore, now located in Brooklyn, quartet? That would be Ave Terre, Panda Bear, Geologist, and Deacon. That reminded me a little bit of the early days of one Mercury Rev, when they were just mm. flipped out, wiggy, sure. you know, Woodstock living Hippies. Hippies, yeah, exactly. <laughs> punk rock hippies. Yeah. Or also uh, those three great bands that were part of the Elephant Six Collective from uh, rural Louisiana, Olivia Tremor Control, Neutral Milk Hotel, right. and Apples in Stereo. Wonderfully idiosyncratic, eccentric tradition in American rock that uh, yeah. those guys are extending. And they're on the rise. They came here to Chicago. They sold out two shows at the Logan Square Auditorium. I think people are going to be hearing a lot more about these guys, especially... If that Fish Nation jam band crowd adopts them. Yeah. I mean, and if they can turn to Modest Yahoo, they can certainly <laughs> dig Animal Collective. <laughs> exactly. Jim, we're, we're talking about buried treasures, records that have sort of been uh, obscure for the wrong reasons. If more people heard them, more people would love them. A Chicago band called Lying in States with their second album, Wildfire on the Lake. First record was good. Don't get me wrong. I love the whole jagged guitar interplay thing. They reminded me a little bit of the Pixies and Fugazi. A violent push-pull between the guitars and the rhythm section. And a lot of it is real because we've got a quintet here where everybody contributes equally to the songwriting. And let me tell you, there's some arguments here within the band about you know where the songs are going to go. Yeah. And you can hear that tension in the music. And they expanded that on Wildfire and the Lake. But what really got me excited about this record is right in the middle of it, there's a left turn. And I don't know about you, Jim, but I love it when I'm listening, especially in the CD era, when you're listening to a sequence of songs and you think you sort of got a band figured out and then suddenly they take a left turn and it goes someplace new, someplace unexpected. And an album suddenly turns into something unexpectedly great. It's a good mm. record and suddenly it becomes a great one because of a song sort of deep in the mix. And they did it on this record with a song called Tell Me which really doesn't sound like anything else on the record. All the band members talk about it as sort of the stepchild on the record. It really wasn't going to go on there, but it was so good they had to include it, and I'm glad they did. As opposed to this sort of violent guitar interplay that sort of dominates most of the record, this is sort of like a boozy, late-night, dark-night-of-the-soul kind of vibe in this particular song. Piano tinkling away, and you've got these funeral bells going on, and the hum, this sort of like obtrusive hum, and what it turns out is it's a Leslie organ amplifier that just... Mm been turned up and it sort of creates this otherworldly vibe that's going on through the song and meanwhile the singer Ben Clark is sort of pouring out his soul it's one thing to be an angry loud guitar rock band it's been done a lot of bands are doing it but I love the fact that these guys are sort of pushing the vulnerability of their music and the lyrics into the forefront on this track and uh, it's the standout on a very good record it's Tell Me from Lying in States from their record Wildfire on the Lake on Sound Opinions Yeah. 
That's Tell Me from Lying in States at Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott of the Chicago Tribune. He's Jim DeRogatis of the Chicago Sun-Times. And uh, we're running down some of the buried treasures of recent vintage. I got one more pick, Greg. Stereolab is a band that you and I have both championed since the early 90s. Incredible mix of these bubblegum pop melodies with sometimes almost nonsense vocals, sometimes sung in French, sometimes sung in English, with a great rhythm that the Germans pioneered in the 70s, a kind of a German art rock rhythm called Motorik. It was meant to evoke the sound of speeding down the Autobahn in the middle of the night, where of course there is no speed limit, and just that incredible mechanical rhythm. That was when Stereolab was at its best. It went through a couple of different incarnations, experimenting with different things, adding to the mix, including a pretty cool kind of funk rock turn. But I think they lost the plot a little bit early in the new millennium. And part of it is the fault of Chicago's tortoise. They became <laughs> unduly influenced by the post-rock pretensions of, uh, of Chicago's tortoise. And at the same time, they suffered the death of keyboardist and backing vocalist Mary Hansen. I had thought that the driving forces, Tim Gain and his uh, girlfriend Letitia Sadier, had kind of lost the plot. Lo and behold, this record comes out of the blue. The last studio album, 2004's Margarine Eclipse, I had very little use for. Now you have this new collection called Fab Four Suture. It's not even really intended to be a proper album. It collects a bunch of singles that were released only on 10-inch vinyl. They're indie rockers, you know. I mean, the more <laughs> obscure, the better. The harder it is for you to buy my music, the better. Um, as well as a couple of new songs, and it's kind of put together as this odds and sods collection. Some of their best albums have been done the same way. My favorite early Stereo Lab record was the same sort of thing. A bunch of bits and pieces compiled as an album, 1992 switched on Stereo Lab. Man, you need to own that record. Trust me. Mm -hmm. Go out and buy it right now. If you don't like it, I'll refund your money. Jim's right. Believe him, folks. Uh, and that's rare. <laughs> hey, thank you. Mark this down. You're right on on that, on that count. I love Fab Four Suture, though. I put it on almost with a sense of dutiful resignation. It's like, oh, man, another Stereo Lab record. But I think this finds them back doing what they do best. A little bit of disco, a little bit of funk, some burbling ambient instrumental, and a lot of that motoric driving rhythm. As usual, uh, sort of silly lyrics. Laetitia sometimes sings nonsense words, sometimes sings in French, sometimes delivers communist manifestos. Yeah. <laughs> Some absolutely great stuff on this album, Fab Four Suture. A lot of silly titles, Kybernetica, Babica Part 1, and Whisper Pitch, and Get a Shot of the Refrigerator. But the uh, best song here, I think, is also the most simply titled. It's called Interlock by Stereolab. Great song. That is Interlock by Stereolab from the Fab Four Suture album. 
Good choice, Jim. I love that band, and it's great to hear uh, that they're back in stride. I want to get back to our conversation with Jeff Chang of last week, uh, Jim. We really enjoyed having Jeff in here and spotlighting the various hip-hop scenes around the world with one of the great hip-hop scholars of our time. One of the scenes we talked about briefly was the one that's going on in London right now. Mm. And I still think this is very much a a buried treasure as far as an American audience is concerned because a lot of these U.K. hip-hop acts haven't really broken through in a big way in the U.S. as of yet. But I think the one that has the best chance of it is this 19-year-old, 5-foot-tall, white MC named Lady Sovereign, otherwise known as Louise Harmon. Hmm. Um, she's one of the few really significant female MCs in that London scene, and they've created this grime version of hip-hop, kind of a, a gritty UK interpretation where the beats are, of course, really hammering, but the soundscapes are really off-kilter. It almost sounds like you're being trapped inside a video arcade, and the wordplay is really hyper Cockney-esque very much of the streets of, of London as opposed to the streets of the South Bronx or, mm. or Compton or Houston or, or Atlanta. This is very much an indigenous London uh, version of American hip-hop. And I think Sav, Lady Sovereign, is the, uh, one of the best examples of it. She put out a bunch of singles uh, in the last year that I thought were terrific. And uh, Jay-Z, the hip-hop kingpin in the U.S., eventually signed her to a record deal. And there will be a full-length Lady Sovereign album coming out later this year. But for now, we've got an EP. And on that EP is, uh, I think, one of the key singles out of this hip-hop scene in England called Random. And I think it illustrates the sassy, smart aleck that Louise Harmon, a.k.a. Lady Sovereign, is, and why I think she may have a chance to have a real impact here. She's fun to look at, she's got attitude, and she's got skills, as they say in the hip-hop world. Mm. This is Random from Lady Sovereign on Sound Opinions. Yeah, make way for the, make way for the S-O-V. You bottle open all mine, let's get started. Move around around like a karate. Oh, ish, my wet plays nasty. Oh, ish, don't put it past me. Move, ish, get out the way. Nah, never that, I'm in to stay. Flow lazy, put the pace up when I feel less hazy. J-Lo's got a baggy where you can't see mine, cause I wear my trousers baggy. Greg, I, I just got to inject. I, I don't think she's all that. Oh, I think she's great. I don't get it. She's you know what funny. I mean? She's funny. She's got, you know, sass. I mean, this is the kind of girl 
who I wish was more uh, represented in American hip-hop. Um, I think it's all about this pimp-prostitute yeah. thing yeah. on the mainstream level. Yeah, politically, I'm is, down with you. Politically, she is not just, about that. I wish she could rap better. Oh, my God. She's, I, I think she's really quick. All right. Uh, she's she got uh, a razor tongue, man. Uh, well, you know, when we have a full album, we'll, yeah. uh, we'll deal with it uh, here, there, and we'll give I, a I proper you, sing- review. All the singles I've heard have been, have been terrific. Yeah, and, I think uh, you're jumping on that critical bandwagon. No, uh, man. I, you know... Village Voice endorsed. I don't know. Village Voice. <laughs> Village Voice is behind the curve on this one. Ah, uh, that's fun. Buried Treasures is always one of our favorite shows. Give us your two cents if there are records that you think we are missing. We're always happy to hear from you. You can call the Sound Opinions hotline, 1-888-859-1800, or email us at soundopinions.com. Visit the website. Learn more about these acts that we've just talked about. Next week, Greg, uh, we've got a, a first for Sound Opinions here, just in time for taxes. If you're looking for a write-off... We're going to have a suggestion (laughs) next week. And uh, we're also going to play uh, some great rock and roll about money. And as usual, thanks for listening. And we've got a list of people that we need to thank because we couldn't do the show without them. Absolutely. Tori Handyman Malatia from the South Side is our executive producer. Todd Bachman, the managing producer and director, who is really eager to see how we handle next week's show. Uh, <laughs> Matt Spiegel, the producer. Jason Saldana and Robin Lynn, our beloved associate producers. Dino Armiros keeps us out of legal trouble. And Joe Dassault keeps us out of technical hell. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you next week.